And welcome to the Two Medics podcast. Just a quick shout out to our sponsors, mah.uk.com for medical accountancy needs and also to lifelinehealthcaregroup.co.uk for the best locum rates. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics podcast. My name is Imran Lasker, I'm a consultant radiologist. And hi, I'm Dusha Gunawardner, I'm a cardiology registrar, sub-specialising in intervention. Yes, Dusha, we got physical this week, didn't we? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, we got um, physical. I feel like you're going to have to explain that one. Through show lives fair far away, we don't often get to actually physically meet these days, but we actually physically met in person for dinner, which is quite nice. Yeah, we we actually physically met up, which is cool, man. Yeah. Uh, I had some Thai food in East London. Should we, should we mention the place? Yeah, it was good yeah. food. Might as well say it, yeah. Go Do you on. like it? It was a place called Somsa. It was near Liverpool Street, about 10 minutes from there. I really mm. liked it. It had like, good vegan food. That's why I picked it, didn't we? It had a good menu. <laughs> Not for the vegan food, but like, it had like good vegetarian options. and yeah, It's yeah. got really nice cocktails. It was nice. Do you think yeah. you'd go again? I think I would, but I've got to say the waiter, that was a funny. That was funny, wasn't it? it was a, that thing, like, as soon as I walked down, I thought, yeah, everyone's too cool for me. Uh, everyone here is far yeah. too cool for me and then we're sitting down and it's quite loud quite difficult to hear each other waiter comes along and I felt like he was mumbling I couldn't hear a thing that they were saying and then it just got awkward didn't it it just felt yeah. really awkward the whole situation he was just trying to explain the menu and we were like no can you say that again I can't hear you and he just didn't really feel like he, he was trying uh, the problem was that he just obviously thought that the fact that we couldn't hear him was we were just being ridiculous when actually he didn't actually maybe it was a compliment maybe he didn't realize we're as old as we are and didn't realize that we have, hearing, <laughs> that we have to free, the frequency of hearing has just gone it was because it was loud yeah, and i hate what kind yeah. of you have to say that it was loud, but it was and it was really hard to hear and it seemed like he felt uncomfortable with us saying oh i can't really hear you mate sorry mm. or maybe it's just not cool to raise your voice in that kind of setting Either way, or it was maybe very it's a policy. Not to raise your voice. Yeah. Either way, we got the mm. food in the end. It was really nice. Yeah, I had a really yeah. nice cocktail. This kind of oolong, oolong island iced tea, which was really nice. Mm. Uh, uh, oh man, I was it. disappointed with my dessert. I, actually, you noticed what? that I had my dessert. Yeah, no, I had my dessert, which is a jackfruit thing with a few lychees or something in it, which is possible. And then you had the banana ice cream thing. And then as soon as I saw that, I was like, I'll have that too. So <laughs> I had that too. It was good, man. And then as, do you remember, as soon as they said it was halal chicken, I was like, okay, well, I didn't know that. So I already <laughs> ordered food. So like, give me some more mains. I want to bought some more mains. <laughs> yeah. It was expensive, man, though. I, I, yeah, it was, uh, it was really expensive. But I think it was worth it. And it also, it's always, it was always good to meet up physically. But yeah, man, uh, we should uh, try and do it more often. I know that you do come down to London some of yeah. the time. Yeah, I've got to get that custard ice cream off you. Oh, mate, yeah, yeah, I've got, I bought, yeah, so for those of you that don't know, I did buy some ice cream, and believe it or not, today, I actually had some of that soy sauce ice cream, because oh, I felt it? like it, it was, it was nice, man, look, when yeah. we meet up, I, I, I might even film you trying some of these ones, because, yeah, yeah the soy sauce, in, in a small amount, is actually quite nice, it was a bit like, oh, this is cool, like, I could imagine being in a nice restaurant, and they come out with a soy sauce ice cream, a little dollop, and you'd be like, no, mate, not doing it, and you have it, mm. actually, it's all right in a yeah, small quantity enough. it's all right it's okay but yeah it was yeah i got your custard ice cream waiting in the fridge i've not let Can't anyone wait. touch that i told that I told him everyone that's uncle thrushes do not touch that one <laughs> or what they call you is a silly man they say yeah. oh you're gonna go see the silly man yeah i don't know how that's come about but totally got the measure of me yeah yeah exactly okay cool quite a lot of subjects have come up this week but i quite enjoyed this one through do you want to read this one i thought it was yeah. really good i like okay. this one so the tweet is from Andrew Davidson, so he's an anaesthetics and ICU registrar, 
And so his handle's at Andrew JD. And his tweet, his little thread, it goes, a while ago, I started a new run of on-call shifts. And I went to briefly chat to an intensive care patient I hadn't seen since he'd been critically ill and since he'd come off the ventilator. At the end of the conversation, he said he'd been waiting to meet me. I thought maybe he was confused. A lot of patients end up being stepped down from the ICU before they're strong or well enough to have a meaningful conversation. A lot have delirium or tracheostomies or something. I asked, though, why he'd been waiting to see me. He said that he'd been waiting to meet the source of the voice that had been in his dreams. That I was the voice of the doctor that had accompanied him on his bizarre visions, sailing ships across turbulent oceans, cutting through forests. Now he knew who that voice belonged to. I was strangely affected by the whole thing. Like most people, I half-heartedly speak to unconscious patients in ICU when examining them or doing procedures, but I've never met anyone that actually remembered. He wasn't thanking me or anything, just saying that he knew I had been there, knew that I was his doctor, and in some strange way had been looking after him. I don't know if I should be moved to hear that. I didn't do anything special, but it was. So it's reinforced for me how it's worth talking to your patient when they're unconscious, because as well as looking after their fluid balance or their ventilation, you might also be standing side by side with them at the prow of some ship sailing through their dreams. Isn't that nice? That's amazing. Honestly, I loved it because I felt you said it was a movie, but it feels like that could have been a movie. The whole thing could have been like something. It reminded me of like this obscure TV show. I think, so I was just Googling it just now. It's called The Odyssey. I think it was a Canadian mm. thing. And it was about this kind of boy who's in a coma. And I think he's he's trying to get out of the coma, but he's going through a dream. And there's also Life on Mars, isn't it? That's that TV show where he's in a coma. And that detective show, did you ever watch that? Which is that one? Life on Mars? No. Yeah, it's sort of like Gene Hunt. He's like a policeman. And it's like in the 80s. And the songs are like, it's a Bowie song. It's quite good. No, I'm... Okay. I don't think it's aged that well, actually, so I probably wouldn't recommend watching really, it. Okay. It's quite iconic, about 10 years ago. But yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it's been done. But it, this is nice, mm. isn't it? Do you? Yeah, it is nice. Do you do ultrasounds of many like unconscious patients? Actually, yes. When I used to do, well, I don't do it anymore, obviously, but I used to, I don't know if that's obvious, but anyway, when I was a registrar and I had to go do portable ultrasounds, I used to go to ITU and I always do, I always did talk to them, like as if yeah. they were, even if they were semi-conscious, unconscious, I always do, always did talk to them and as if they were completely conscious but uh, i wouldn't say anything particularly interesting about like, hi my name is such and such i'm gonna do this and then i pretend and it sounds silly but i'd be pretend is it okay if i do the scan yeah no no it just feels a bit weird but you do yeah. it because i don't know it feels like the right thing or the comfortable yeah, thing to no, do no. fair enough yeah I'd do that on itu although i feel more awkward if there are other people around i definitely do it when i certify people which i think is probably even more weird but i just find oh really just... no, yeah you say hi my name is such and such and i say hi I'm it's to, to satisfy you no, I didn't say I would come to certify you. I'd say I've come to examine you, which sounds really odd. But especially when, when you have to look in their eyes, the people are reflex. So I'd say I'm just lifting up your eyelid. I just because I don't know, it just feels rude otherwise. Even though I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Feeling when you've got to touch anyone's eyes, you feel like it's a bit of a like, thing. It feels like, yeah, I've got to, I should ask permission, even if yeah, you're not absolutely. awake. I That's need to ask permission to touch your eyes, man. But it was a nice tweet. It really, it was like a mini novel, wasn't it? It, it just yeah. did feel like a bit of a mini novel. Actually, did you see that tweet this week where a potential friendship bloomed in, in the middle of the, oh, yeah. the Twitterverse? Yeah, that was a nice little story. Yeah. Uh, I'm not here for this kind of content, people. I, I need, I need rage. I need, I, I need vitriol. Where is it? 
what is yeah. this wholesomeness that's suddenly turning up? Yeah, so gross. Um, so did was, you see that one? Yeah, yeah so on. that was Bella mm. Roschetti. So she just started Roschetti. Roschetti. Oh my god, did I book her name? You're going to get cancelled for saying that. I might even keep that in. I'm going to keep that in. I like to think we're friends as well. Anyway, so she, I think it was doing induction and stuff, and I think she found that there are a few things she had common with a colleague, and then she's, is it? And I've definitely had that feeling. Have when you met someone for the first time, you feel like you're vibing, and you're like, and I'm definitely like, I'm going to. This is. And then already in my head, I'm like, oh, we're going to be best friends. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. And then the next day, like, you might see them in the corridor and they ghost you and you're like, oh, I've never wound up. But yeah, she put it out there on Twitter and this person replied. So Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. It was nice. It was nice. I feel like I've been in that situation. It was uh, first year. I, I remember it clearly. I was at a teaching one day and then there's someone, uh, one of the other registrars I talked to, I felt like I really got along with them, really chatty, really friendly, seemed to be like on, on the same level. And then... I kept thinking, should I ask for the number? Should I not ask for the number? Is that a weird thing to do? And I just left it. And then later on, I was telling my mate, like, I feel bad. I should have asked that guy's number. And then they start ripping into me. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, so what do you do? But yeah, I, I think these days I've got better at it. As I've had to network a little bit more and go to places, it is a bit like, oh, okay, look, I'd like to talk to you about that at some point. And then sort of yeah. numbers and stuff. So I've definitely got better at it. But I remember yeah, in that social circumstances. I think the good thing, yeah. I think people should shoot, shoot their shots if it's for, I, I think... Because the thing is, the worst thing that can happen is that person will reject you, in which case, at least that's happened and where you stand. So uh, there's that. And then mm. the positive is that there's these kind of connections that you make as a junior doctor. A lot of those people you become friends with, you know, the rest of you could be like lifelong friends. So you mm. could potentially miss out on that. But I, I think it's important like to be able to network as time goes on because like you, you end up being useful for people and they can help you out. And you'd be surprised where help can come from sometimes. Like it really is... Uh, yeah, like for even earlier today, one of the companies I work for, they one of the guys that just seemed to get along with, and then he just had to call me up today and was like talking to me. He's moved to somewhere else, and he actually might start working with the company soon. But it is beyond professional relationship; it's actually a bit of a friendship, and it's quite nice to be able to. Because normally, when you work for these companies, you feel like they're a bit impersonal. Yeah, and maybe that's part of his job to be <laughs> more personable. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice. It is nice. It's nice when you get that sort of connection you get along and talk about other things that are just not work related all the time but that's when you've got things that are like a good culture right that's a nice positive thing <laughs> when people are being a bit friendly and chatty and stuff but david warner he had a really interesting point about general culture didn't he did you see that he said why do we talk about toxic culture when we really mean toxic people that's the problem right what do you think of that because i think that's quite a profound thing to say yeah fair enough yeah, because I think that the problem with the term toxic culture is that it becomes a bit more difficult to challenge because then you misallocate, you don't really have a target for justice or kind of things to correct because it's all mm. a bit up in the air when really mm. what should happen is uh, the implication is that it's from individuals, it's prob mm. problematic behaviour from individuals. But in a way, I know... I can appreciate what obviously the obvious toxic culture thing, because I've seen it where you might see colleagues shadowing another, like a mean colleague. And then mm. you see like them developing traits that are of that mean <laughs> colleague. I've definitely seen that like at work yeah, where this person yeah. is like a mini, that person leaves and then that person just fills the mean void. And you, mm. because we, we know that and when people, you see it a lot when people are complaining about F1 and People are like, oh, that's like how it is. And in some ways we perpetuate cycles of harm, right? Like mm. even without even without knowing it, 
like these kind of pathological, like even like our teaching behaviors and stuff. That's how we, often stuff, the way that we were taught stuff, that's how we then go on to teach our genius. And not all of those, not all of those kind of teaching structures and techniques are particularly like the shit sandwich thing. Like we all mm. learn how to do that. But it's terrible. Mm. It's a terrible way of giving feedback, really. And mm. yet we, that's what we've learned to do. And that's what we do. And so I guess mm. that there is, there certainly is like a kind of, a culture element to these things but i think david warren's point is exactly right which is that sometimes then in you don't see the is it the wood from the trees or something like mm, you just um, the is, yeah, yeah where you miss individuals and a lot of the time if you target those bad apples oh my gosh i'm going on with this like woodland <laughs> analogy then, you, know, <laughs> then you, you can change the culture that way yeah no, but I feel like this is true because I did actually work at a place and there's big shot work in there. And every time that particular person was there, it was very quiet, subdued. No one talked to one another. Everyone just sat there and worked. And it was a bit, it was a bit boring. But whenever that person had to go to a big conference half around the world and went back for a week or two, mate, it was the best place to work ever. It was really fun. And I'm still friends with a few people from there. But it just shows like how one person can actually change the entire dynamic of yeah. I'd say a team. And that's what it felt like when I was definitely there. I felt like a big difference of when that person was around. Yeah. Seeing as we're talking about dynamics, right? There mm. is this, which I think is along a similar vein. So, can you not that long ago, I did a tweet, which is from Junior Doctors UK, the subreddit, where I talked mm. about a trust where they were phasing, where they're opening up the mess to all, to all, yeah, essentially. Yeah. And mm. there was a lot of reactions to it. There were some that kind of generated more responses to it than others. But Mm. Then the other on the other side, so a lot of people. Very diplomatic, what, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what, <laughs> one of the things I felt was that there are certain areas, that there are a few areas actually for doctors to congregate, and mm. there were people rightly saying there are often aren't times where we can use the staff room on the ward, and people are like, oh really? And people say, oh, very welcome to come. There's always biscuits and stuff available, blah. But this mm. place, so I posted, and it's also from Junior Doctors UK subreddit. They must, they need to ban me from there, don't they? Although I feel like <laughs> there's lo- there loads of good, there's loads of good stuff in there. I think it's a good subreddit. Mm. And so I hope they don't mind me like, posting this, but basically there was a sign that said staff room. It's underlined in red. Please note this room is for blah, 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 staff only, underlined several times in red. And then it goes on to say, junior slash student doctors, infantilization much. Can you please use the doctor's mess on something or the dining room? Many thanks. For those people who are saying, oh, the doctor's mess is exclusionary or elitist, people need that area because it's the other areas aren't always available to them. Hang on. They've actually been quite specific about greater doctors allowed in there. So does that mean like what? Like... Senior registrars and above only can go into that room and tell you what it's like. I mean, there must be something very fancy in there. What, what are they trying to hide? What are they trying to keep in there? Yeah, I like how Phil Lee was like, oh, is that because of that prawn curry? Yeah, but hmm. I, I do think, though, I guess like one of the other, there was one response, which was, I, I was outraged at first, and then I applied critical thinking. Like, oh, wow. Oh, good like, for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they were like, maybe there wasn't enough room. And I'm like, oh, great, okay. So, oh. <laughs> that's what this is. That's what it was. That's exactly it's, what this is about. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, it. Thank, thank you for turning up. Thank you. Yeah, this reminds me of, do you remember in Habs, we had the common room and in, in our common room, we had a small little kitchen. Yeah. And I think her name was Sue or something. Yes. She used to cook. Do you remember? I yeah. used to call it so, Sue's Hole. <laughs> oh, oh I, okay. I didn't know that. How did I miss that? 
Oops, that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I remember, obviously, that that particular area had like a slightly different food from everywhere else. And one, yeah. one of the things that had was a pot noodle. You could get yeah. a pot noodle. So, do you remember? Yeah. So what, I remember one of the things we had to do back at school was that we used to have to try and do something to give back to the school. Like maybe picking up litter, looking after the queue. Do you remember this? Yeah. And uh, one day I completely forgot I was meant to be doing the tuck shop queue. And I was in the middle of having pot noodle and someone reminded me. So I ran down with my pot noodle. And then all the younger guys are all staring at me. And I was like, what's up? He goes, Partner, where did you get that? <laughs> and I was like, well, get what? He goes, that, that pot noodle, where did you get that? <laughs> I got it from the mess room. They're like, wow, the mess room. is You can get to pot noodle in the mess room. I was like, bro, it's just a pot noodle. Like, <laughs> you can get pot noodle from Sainsbury's. Go get it now. Yeah. But I realized that it was because it came from a place that they couldn't get to. It yeah. suddenly had this importance and like this prestige attached to a pot noodle. Anyway, ridiculous memory from a ridiculous time. No, fair enough. <laughs> but something you said actually, Trusha, I think really leads us quite nicely on the critical thinking. The critical thinking. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, re Yale researchers. So this is a, a nice tweet, a more interesting tweet, I'd say. And I think you retweeted it, which is why I picked up on it. Yale researchers asked teachers to look at a video of preschoolers and click when they saw misbehavior. There was no misbehavior. It was actually an eye-tracking study to see who they watched most. So this is Yale University. And we... You know, Yale use research, mate. If those people tell me anything, I'm taking their word for it. They've got some knowledge that I don't have. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna assume they're no better than me. Anyway, so white and black t teachers spent significantly more time watching the black boy, yeah. and so what they were doing, if anyone doesn't understand, like they had these little kids in a room, and they were just sitting there being kids, not doing anything naughty. And they were tracking the eye movements of the teachers and everyone seemed to watch the black kids. So they were trying to look no, at Crucially though, they were told to watch out for bad behavior. So, oh, that's right. Yes. And so then and, they um, specifically focused on the black boy. Yeah. And subconsciously, they kept focusing on, on, on the black boy. And, uh, and you read through the comments and I know there's like a predictable response to these yeah. <laughs> things, but this one did make me laugh. It did make me laugh. Do you remember? What did I say? Yes. What's it called? Yeah. Gaslighting or something, yeah. isn't it? Where you try and make out that, oh, maybe you've got this all wrong. Well, I mean, racism is not really an issue. It's kind of a bit of devil's advocating, wasn't it? Because they were like... Mm. Uh, maybe, maybe because so the black boy is wearing a dark t-shirt and they're like maybe it's the way that one looks how we're geared to look for predators like how many predators do you know wear a black t-shirt like that seems really <laughs> odd <laughs> where's this guy i literally was like that's a really like i replied because i was like what a ridiculous like imagine thinking like going through the mental gymnastics in your head to go beyond <laughs> the conclusions that these people who obviously had to go through ethical approval and have like carefully thought this study and this person sat on the bog has thought to themselves that someone wearing a black t-shirt makes you a predator in some way and I was like mate if you look through studies was that actually like but interestingly that comment was really thought-provoking because then I went mm. on to google what eye colors we're drawn to and as a species we are drawn to bright colors yellows and reds those are the natural colors of the environment that kind of tell us danger like red right mm. so the complete polar opposite of what that poor boy is wearing <laughs> so, like, and we're also apparently attuned to ch uh, to pick up on contrast and I think it's to be able to see the amongst the leaves or the trees because we are monkeys or whatever and seeing a predator move through it so complete and so this the black boy it just doesn't make any sense like literally this person has just vomited up this complete nonsense what about this thing and it actually means mm. nothing and it's completely baseless but they've said that because they'd rather believe some nonsense that they've generated from their tiny brain than the conclusions from this study <laughs> it's just complete bonkers and i replied to this person 
I oh, you replied? I didn't see that. I replied. Oh, did you yeah, reply? Yeah. Okay. Well, of course, they couldn't respond to that. Because when I asked them, like, what is the evidence he's got that this is something to do with like us looking for predators? Of course, they didn't have an answer to that. Because they just came up with that, with their, their noodle. And based on no evidence, it's just... Com- was... But it, it's amazing how willing someone is to try and explain away. We've talked about this before, isn't it? Like, when if, I, if, you, if you say something racist happened to you, I'll take your word for it. But when someone tries to explain that away... It really makes you feel like, wow, man, like no one takes me seriously. Am I the problem? And that's another situation. This is another one of those situations. Like you've got research from some big place, Yale. It's not from the back of my head. And they've come out with this. And it's, it makes sense. It makes sense. We've all got these biases yeah. and we should all be working on these things. And then someone is like, actually, no, we don't have biases. It's, it's to do with the color of what they're wearing. Yeah. Right. And then someone else is like, the color oh, of yeah, their but skin. That- yeah. Why don't you say that? <laughs> and then someone else, yeah. as if some there's some gotcha, like they're like, oh, it's white and black teachers. Like, oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. So what is your, it's really deep, deep rooted. It's awful. Like there was a, I'm sure I've talked about it before in the Carla's book, Natives, where he talked about mm. children playing with dolls and they had white dolls and black dolls. And they said, which do you think are most likely to be bad? And both the white and the black kids pointed out the black dolls. And that's just awful. The mm. thing about the study that I just felt was awful is that poor little kid. Like, these are just children. And already from just, it's just a little baby. Like, just from being a baby, they're already, it's, all, it's obvious. It's obviously bad. But to see mm. it in, to see it in that sense as well, yeah, it's depressing. I know this is full of these tangential things. When you get someone who comes in who've got no, it sounds bad, but you can't, people have clearly spent a lot of time and looked into this and done the research and come out with this and explain something quite impressive. And someone who's got no background in it whatsoever, (laughs) you know, just comes in and be like, oh, but hang on, let me tell you what I think. And he's, now you put in writing, we all have to pay attention to it for all of five seconds. He's wasted time in my brain. But it reminds you, do you remember Courtney Love? Do you remember her? Courtney yeah. Love from that band, yeah? Oh. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, and they had a really great album. Yeah, oh, yeah. That album? They had some fantastic songs. I love that album. It takes me right back to Habs. I think I brought anyway, it with you, actually. I think I... You might have done. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was one of my favourite albums, and I actually might have listened to it later. But uh, Courtney Love, do you remember when MH370, that flight, Malaysian oh, yeah. flight, went disappeared, yeah? She claimed that she found it. <laughs> using google maps and i'm not joking you get i said is this memory i made up and then i quickly typed it in while we're talking and no you can type it in i might even should I send it to you on the chat you can see yeah. exactly what she's done she's gone onto google maps and found a few like white dots and she's like i found it i found, i don't know what everyone's talking about like, i found the plane it, really where was it is it somewhere in the sea obviously <laughs> through share but look i'm no expert but close up this looks like the plane and it's courtney i don't know what to say to you love yeah, you might want to. Although I said love it in joke uh, because her oh, yeah. name's Courtney Love, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think maybe you should just go back to what you do, uh, yeah. whatever that is anymore. Um, I think. But yeah. Do you think there definitely is like a British thing I'd, where do you not find that whenever people make suggestions for change in the world, there are always mm. people who immediately find the, the cloud to the silver lining. Do you know what I mean? And it's good to have constructive criticism or whatever. But literally, whenever you try and fly any ideas, it just, especially in science, but yeah, it's to stop hubris, isn't it? And, uh, but at the same time, I just think we go the other, this whole kind of, the weight that we put into these kind of little gotchas for a small thing that might not quite, you know, the kind of when people focus on one detail, the amount of weight that we put on that negative energy that kind of can completely derail like Mm. a bit of research in this example. 
I just feel like the balance isn't quite right, but I don't know. I, I guess you're trying to find balance, aren't you? Because as I say, you don't want to get caught up in, in dogma, do you? You have to try and be balanced. But I just feel like it's I mean, not quite... These kind of bits of research, I think, are so important because, like you said, they're just kids. I mean, they're just children and they're doing nothing wrong. They just sit in there. And it just highlights how, from an early age, these sort of inadvertent biases can affect just young kids. And I just think that it's a shame when people don't take the research for what it is and try and poke holes in it to make their lives make more sense and rather than trying to understand what it could be from someone else's point of view. Talking from a different point of view, Dr. Glockenflecken had a tweet that went out to see that. So clearly he must get a lot of messages. I might have, I may have emailed him to try and make him turn up on our podcast. (laughs) He hasn't read it yet. That must be what's going on. That must be what happened. But he received the email. Maybe I need to put more vitriol into it. Yeah, yes, get through it. I needed to turn to my podcast, our podcast. Anyway, so he goes, I received the email today. I take my content platform very seriously and take great care to satirize and gently rib all areas of medicine without being demeaned to anyone. It's quite interesting sentiment, this person's email to Dr. G. I'm a rural family doctor. I think you are very funny and appreciate the way you poke fun at medicine and all of its inefficiencies. Oh, part, first part of the sandwich. However, I want you to know that your skits are causing some harm to primary care. Oh, next part. While you highlight the weakness of many specialties, your portrayal of primary care and family medicine in particular is inaccurate and demeaning. Worse is actually turning people away from the field who had previously considered our country needs more primary care. And we need more doctors to take pride in the work. It is underfunded and underappreciated. I work very hard for a fraction of what I should make. However, I don't think your skits are going to do the work that needs to fix the problem. We actually need people talking about legislators, hospitals, and changing how medicine is structured. We need role models in medicine, portraying the importance of primary care, not making fun of it. Your skits cross a line when it comes to family medicine. So only family medicine, it crosses the line. As soon as you get there, you, you hit a line. Okay, so first rule, do no harm. Okay, so this person, now Dr. G's doing harm. All right. Okay. I've had several students, several, okay. Several people have told me that your videos help them decide not to do primary care. And in my opinion, that is doing harm. Okay. Think about the wider impact with popularity comes responsibility. Mm. You could be doing some good with your talent and visibility. Wow. It's difficult, isn't it? Because obviously he's obviously taken that to heart and I've, I've got to say, I completely disagree with the email. I'm sure you do too, right? Like, yeah, of course. Man. Because... Come on, ridiculous. Do you take things too seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, on, yeah. if those students are telling you it's put they're, they're put off by that, then they're obviously just not into, into you that much, mate. Like, they're obviously just... They're just looking for an excuse, and they just they just wanted to let you down gently. Because if they're going to be sorry... That, but the fact of the matter is that if you're... If by someone satirising... I mean, I think Johnny Gukin put it in a nice way. If someone's satirising the negativity of your job and that's and you're angry at the person who sat who's making a joke out of the negativity rather than the negativity then mm. you've got a you're the one with the problem and mm. let's be honest like he jokes about a lot of things doesn't he like a lot mm. of like stereotypes cardiology's in there we could take mm. it we could take it but the thing <laughs> is that it just doesn't I just don't think it washes, does it? Like, um, no, especially when it's being a Hippocratic oath, then you know that this guy is just off on one, don't you? I think there's a couple of things here. Whoever this person is clearly identifies themselves as a family doctor, uh, a very way. high in their, very highly in their overall personality. So when they yeah. say they are this thing, there's a big core of their personality that they're saying. So clearly it's been hurt quite a lot by people yeah. saying they don't want to do it. But then, you know what? If someone says they don't do it because of a skit, I think there's probably, I think people are more intelligent than that. I don't think they're going to not do something based on a few funny jokes. If I go out and say, everyone, please don't do orthopedics because orthopods are weird. 
But if several people turn around and turn say, thanks to Imran, I decided not to do orthopedics, or maybe there's something wrong with the orthopods. Like maybe there's a bigger picture, like one person's opinion on it doesn't change it. There's going to be a few factors here. Yeah. I don't know. So on the other side of things, do you think you do a good mm. job of promoting radiology? I have no idea. Do you I think, think about um, it? I would like to. I do often think that if I do promote radiology in some way, that'd be great. But I, the only reason I would promote something like radiology is because it's for me anyway, given me a life that I don't think I deserve by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> just the way it is. I don't believe I deserve any of this. And I think radiology has given me far more than I expected. And I would, and I've said this before, and I don't know whether people believe me when I say it, but if I've got anything good, I would like everyone to have the same things, if not more. And, uh, and I think between us, I've always told you whatever I'm up to and whatever is working yeah. for me and not working for me. I've always told people, if mm-hmm. someone messages me, I always try and do my best to help. And, and so... If I'm promoting, I'm promoting because it's given me something that I think that maybe people would like too. Mm. I'm not saying it's the best job in the world, but it's been the best thing for me. Mm. And if, I don't know. I also want to be careful because when I was failing my exams a lot, yeah. and then I was really flunking out, and then I think someone else failed, and they said to me that, you know what, Imran, you're like an inspiration. <laughs> and I was like, but I haven't gone out to be an inspiration. I'm just flunking. That's what I'm doing. I'm just flunking, and I'm flunking again and again. And I don't see any inspiration here beyond just me... <laughs> living my life and doing what I've got to do to get through. Yeah. But if you take inspiration from that, then fair enough. Yeah. And so I feel like that's more what it is. Like people take inspiration because of my silly tweets and TikToks and that's cool. But I, yeah. I'm not, that's not like a primary goal. I'm just here to take the piss. Yeah, fair enough. I think I wonder if it's the same with Will Flurry. Like he's just making a thing for himself, kind of just being funny about being a doctor yeah and but it's yeah. morphed into this guy being like the hippocratic oath like this is the responsibility that you have but the guy's just poking jokes at stuff like why are you putting all that on him it's just one man he's not actively telling people not to do it he's just saying a funny side of it just uh, i don't know and that's the thing we can relate to it which is why it's so good and that's why he's got the following that he does because all of us have been like yeah we've been there and what's so funny about him is that he says his jokes are based on things that he saw when he was training which was years ago so clearly none of us have changed. Yeah. None of us have changed in the last however many however many years has been since he was a junior interacting with all those people and being in those meetings and meeting those people. The stereotypes have remained the same because we can still relate to the same jokes that he would have made 10 years ago, apparently, which is, I think, quite a, a fascinating take on the yeah. whole thing, isn't it? Can we talk about... There was another tweet that I think is along a similar... It kind of, I think it goes on from what you were saying about your exams... And I know that you, I wouldn't say subtweeted this, but I think you appreciated it, which is the tweet from Marine. And she said, okay, but why is it not acceptable to just be a mediocre average medic? Why can't mm. I simply turn up and manage a clinic full of patients safely, effectively, and then just go home? Why do I need to want to teach, audit, publish, study extensively to prove myself to be a decent doctor? You know what, mate? I wasn't subtweeting that at all. I, what I said was completely unrelated. I had no idea that tweet was out there. Oh. Tweet or something. Yeah, yeah. I had yeah. no idea that it was out there because I was genuinely walking around thinking, I think I'm getting good at this. Yeah, I'm going to tweet that. I'm getting good at being mediocre because that's what I felt. Funny. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, uh, yeah what do you make of that? Because I think we are all pushed to try and be... I think there's different stages yeah. of existence. And I think when you're training, you fall into that idea that I've got to do all this extra stuff. I don't know if that's necessarily the case when you finish. Yeah. We can't all be above average, can we? Some of us have to be average. No, most of us are average. That's, the point. Are, that's what average is. Exactly. Right? So, so we need to accept that. Yeah. It's, it's impossible. And I just think that kind of this whole one-upmanship about the number of papers that you do and stuff, 
Mm. I just think it's really weird. And just... I think we've said this before on the podcast. I think as a society, we like to look at outliers. We like to look at what's special. Someone has done something fantastical and amazing. And try and give. And sometimes we give them excuses for being special. Oh, they're very special. And that's why they could do what they're doing. Yeah. But I find that, I reckon, what you need to do is find someone who's distinctly average in all aspects who's right. still done really well. Because there's no point in trying to like keep up with, I don't know, Usain Bolt and his 100 meters. Uh, it's no point. You know, you can't run 100 meters, but you find someone that can't run 100 meters that may have done quite well in sprinting or some part of sprinting or something. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to say. That forget the outliers. Look at the average people, and the ones that are average who've done those are the ones you pay attention to because they must be doing something with the averageness or the mediocreness that is working for them. I think. Yeah, um, I've got to say, I saw like a reply from Mehul saying, "Yeah, I can't believe that patient refused to see me that one time because I didn't have that many publications." Because, <laughs> let's be it's honest, right? the patients think, yeah. don't care about that. They don't really. Yeah, like, they don't care. It, it might be nice for private work to see that this person with lots of things behind their name. But really, if I wanted to see someone privately, I think I'd hold way more value if, say, a relative had seen them and said, oh, mm. that person was really nice or whatever, they did a really good job. Then I think that's much more important than, I don't know. Mate, I've said this before, private work is not... Uh, we all always think, oh, yeah, if I get loads of things that work for my private work. No, mate, I'm telling you now, most of it is they know you, you know them, they invite you in or whatever. It doesn't have very... It's got very little to do. So I think with my tweet that was unrelated to it, but apparently it seems like I might have subtweeted, which I didn't... Yeah, not in a bad way. I felt like you yeah. were... Oh, really? Okay, good. I'm probably, I hope I wasn't taking a mic. But I, I do think that being mediocre is a skill in itself, because when you're mediocre, you're okay with being mediocre. You're not worried about being mediocre. You're not trying to do anything more. You're trying, not trying to do anything less. And that's a skill in itself, especially being a medic. And that's what I was trying to half-jokingly say, that I think I'm getting good at being mediocre, that... I'm not stressing about this stuff anymore. Like, I think it's all right to be all right. And I'll just carry on. But yeah, I think I think we just all fall into it. And I think it must have to do with the people around you and stuff like that. You can only, you've only got your colleagues to, to gauge yourself against. And if you've got other people that are, I don't know, going to putting in papers and all that kind of stuff, then you start to convince yourself that's the most important thing. And I've said this before, I don't think it's the most important thing. There's nothing special about these people that got all this stuff. It's just a concentration of time and effort. Because any of us could go do an extra MD or a PhD and all these things because you already shown academic ability which is higher than higher than your average on some level so it's just about time and effort and if you don't put the time and effort you don't get a PhD it's just it would, is it something that's going to work for you in the longer term or something you actually want to do that's the difference it's not intelligence I don't know I might have a whole load of PhDs come after me now saying oh hang on you can't say that <laughs> sorry it's just no. my personal opinion I think that kind of leads I mean there were uh, talking about kind of comportment because you know that kind of mm. evergreen topic that seems to come up every mm. so often, oh, which is about, mm. I guess, belonging in spheres and stuff. So there's a tweet from Anna White 24, mm. and she says, Me, short, ginger female, in scrubs and theatre cap, explaining the patient's operation to them and answering their questions. Um, mm. F1, tall male in shirt, writing notes and looking at obs charts, etc. Patient, is he the lead surgeon? And, and obviously it's quite evergreen because every so often you'll see that and then you'll get people replying with nonsense so one of the things might be so here's a kind of classic response this would all be solved if people actually introduce themselves to the patient my name is i am a these people are then the patient wouldn't then the patient wouldn't end up embarrassed so again the implication is that person didn't introduce themselves so okay yeah which seems silly to go onto the internet and complain that 
someone didn't know who you were because you didn't introduce yourself that's okay. but there you go so you get that and then you get some other people who say something along the lines of oh that also happens has happened to me and they're male doctors or whatever and it's evergreen isn't it when... it's an evergreen thing isn't it but it's just amazing as in we all are aware of the concept that if you're female you're less likely to be taken you're less likely to be assumed to be the doctor but it's amazing the number of ways that this plays out the number yeah. of different situations plays out in, yeah. you know, yeah. People, like people assuming you're a nurse and then people going, well, is it so bad to be assumed to be a nurse? And then it goes down there and you're like, yeah. oh, oh God, God. Yeah. yeah. The predictable arguments. I said, I swear one of these days we should do like a med Twitter. This is your typical bingo. argument and this is bingo. which way it will go. Yeah, exactly. And you can actually go down these tweets and go, yeah, bingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've done that. They've done that. They've done that. They've done that. After the F1 started this week, is that what's been yeah, going yeah. on? I just noticed that there's been a few of these, a karma medic, karma medic. Yeah, I think so. On, oh my gosh, he's got quite a few followers, 14,000 followers. Mate, he's I'm got like a million subs on YouTube and stuff. Like, like He's another one of these YouTubers who... Remember how I said that I discovered a YouTuber that literally has videos of him studying and people... It's got millions of views. And I was yeah. like, why would someone watch someone else studying? And who yeah. studies for that long anyway? Yeah. Uh, he's one of them. He's one of the guys that does this. And fair enough, like you've got your niche, good for you. I'm not cussing your hustle at all. You carry on. You do you. It's awesome. Do well. Keep going. I want you to do well. But he just popped up on my thing for some reason. He said, just finished my first weekend on call as an FY1. And it reminded me, oh, yeah, I remember what that was like. A lot of scary moments. And I felt like my brain was running 110% for three days straight. Yeah, I remember that. Spent a decent chunk of it alone and really thankful for the support from senior docs and other staff. Tushi, I was going to ask you, how did you deal with your first weekend on call as an F1? Like, how did that go? I was taking you back, mate. Your memory, yeah. does it, is it still working? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if I can remember. <laughs> I, because they all meld into one. I know there was one particular weekend we'll cover. So it was in Peterborough. And at the time, there was an F1 and an SHO who'd cover the wards. But essentially what happened was, I remember the SHO would disappear to help with the take. And also mm. you'd get, I'd get bleeped from the registrar being like, yeah, look, you need to sort out the wards and then come and help with the take. And I, every so often I get bleeps for that. And then I'd be like, but I'm like running around doing these things. And mm. I remember finding it really hard. And also there'd be patients you'd see on the Saturday and then you'd see them again on the Sunday, probably with the similar problems you haven't sorted them out the day before or whatever. And I think I remember finding them really tough. I remember like crying a few times. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember crying once. I, I, one time that particularly broke me was there were like when you go to a ward and there's, and they're like, there's six cannulas that need doing. And then knowing that one of the nurses that was telling me that could cannulate. And mm. I remember the thing that broke me at that time was... I was exhausted, hadn't had anything to eat. And I remember her saying to the other one, why don't you just take my blood pressure? And they were dicking around with a kind mm. of OBS machine. Mm. And I think it was the fact that they asked me to do that ta- those six tasks and then they were dicking around. And I knew that mm. they, within their scope, I felt like they could help me. But I think the way she said that in such a carefree way, oh, why don't you just take my blood pressure? sounded so mm. carefree and i remember thinking to myself i've got all this on my shoulders and nobody gives a shit nobody knows i'm here mm. nobody cares and i think i went into the, the kind of treatment room and cried and not for ages i remember crying a bit and being like whatever so that was pretty shit but i remember i remember the regs and what they were like and you had some that were more supportive than others and i remember trying to get a surgeon to see a patient who i thought had the kind of vascular emergency and then the surgeon was like have you got your reg to see the patient and then i remember telling my reg that and then my reg phoning up the surgical reg and i'm sitting there almost like i told 
that was told, I told mm. the teacher because then he phoned mm. up the surgical edge to bollock the surgical edge and I was like oh he's standing up to me oh he's such a hero mm. and stuff mm. so I remember that but I remember finding it pretty brutal to be honest but it's all a bit of a blur now it's like 100 years ago oh, yeah it does feel do like a long yours? time ago yeah I do very, I don't think there's something that you forget yeah. I mean I don't remember I'm not even trying to I would say if I cried then I don't remember crying but I remember feeling really low yeah and it's weird isn't it because you go through med school and you remember I, I really struggled and when I finally made it it was like an amazing experience oh man I'm on top of the world and then next thing you know you're at the bottom yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it like you had all this kind of oh amazing well done Iran yeah, you're a doctor yeah, yeah. and all this stuff and you think this is amazing and then all of a sudden you're like how am I in this situation? Yeah, I this thought is this what was you a good yeah. thing. Yeah, like, how did this happen to me? Yeah. And uh, one of my friends who, actually, you guys are all F2s and I was an F1. And one of the F2 people from our year, he said to me, mate, it's going to be tough this weekend. Whatever happens, just don't give up and keep going. Yeah. And uh, I just remember that. I remember, like, I, li- I was literally running between the wards. I was just running between the wards. Because I didn't know what an emergency was and what not a non-emergency was. I spent the entire weekend running up and down the stairs and I was really exhausted and then on top of that I think this is I'm, I mentioned this person before but there was a cardiologist of all people oh, God, who was very unhappy with their situation oh, I found out later they were unhappy yeah and yeah, I called yeah. him up asking right. for advice and he absolutely blasted me and it was like to the point where I had to pull the phone away from my ear because I thought oh. my ear would burst he was shouting me that much and then I think that really made me averse to calling for senior help which made things worse for me yeah and then I think on the way home, I've got a really good friend who's a year above us because I didn't get to do a BSc straight away because I kept flunking. So I did. A, I went to the year above for a while and I became friends with the two, a few guys there. And I called him up saying, and he was in GP training at the time. And I asked him, like, listen, mate, I'm, I'm really struggling here. And the number of times I wanted to quit, it was mm-hmm. unbelievable. Every day I was like, I'm done with this. I'm done with yeah. this. This is the worst thing in the world. But anyway, he was really cool. And he said to me, listen, mate, if you do find yourself in a situation where you turn to, Give me a call and I'll help you. Oh. And so he was really good. So genuinely, I would call him up prior to making that phone call to the registrar for referral. And I'd be like, oh, no, no, don't say it like that. Don't say it like that. You say it like this. Okay, cool. And then I said, oh, mate, are these blood to worry? Because you might want to just check that. Are you sure? You know what I mean? He was just really yeah. good. So he was like my go-to guy first off. And then I would, and then I asked him, are you okay? And I would call him at random times, even yeah. like late night, middle of the night, he would pick it up. Oh. And he was awesome like that. And obviously, it was all unofficial help, but it was yeah. nice to have someone supportive. And then um, as time went on, I realized I wasn't calling him much. And then one day he called me and goes, mate, are you not doing any of your calls anymore? What's going on? Hmm. And I was like, I guess I can handle it now. I never even thought, and it didn't cross my mind, but he was right. Like, I, I wasn't calling him up anymore, like as much oh. as I used to. So uh, clearly was some progress made. But just having him there as a good mate that I could trust and he wouldn't make fun of me because... I always felt out of place. I never felt like I really belonged. And I thought I managed to pull the wool over the med school's eyes to get through. And may, that may or may not be true. But that f- constant feeling of not feeling like you're qualified meant that I had no confidence in whatever yeah. whatever decisions I was going to make. So it's good to go to him and say, listen, mate, I know I'm an idiot. Just tell me what I should be doing. It just goes to show like how important mentorship was, really. Like mm. how you needed that. I remember like I used to call my SHO a lot for stuff that mm. I'd be like too afraid to call the reg about. And I definitely mm. maintained that as a registrar, I felt like your team is as good as the SHO you have because your SHO mm. is like a role model to the F1. And if they're mm. really good, then they basically, they, they can, they carry a lot of, they carry a lot of the registrar's work too. And so if you've got like a really good SHO, the F1 will try and emulate them and it makes a massive mm. difference. 
Um, if you've got a really supportive one, like my one during the first weekend just went completely AWOL. It makes a massive difference. So I hope those guys out there that are starting have got good mentors and good role models. Yeah, definitely. It makes all the difference. Actually, that reminds me of one of the, there was one time when the Reg, I think I was running around, she goes, hey, excuse me, and she called me across, what's going on? And I was like, oh, I've got to go to this place. And she goes, let me have a look at the list of jobs. And then she started crossing off, yeah, it's all right, don't worry about that, don't worry about that, don't worry about that, that's not that important, don't worry about that. I was like, okay, cool. And then she looked at me and she goes, you look really tired. And then she took the bleat from me and said, look, I can give you about 10 minutes, just take 10 minutes, do whatever you want, go away and just relax. And I couldn't even walk away. <laughs> I just sat next to her and she goes, you don't want to get a drink or some food or some chocolate? And I was like, no, I'm just going to sit here for a bit. Is that okay? She goes, yeah, go on then. And she was just taking the phone calls for me for 10 minutes. And then she goes, look, I've really got to go, but that's all I can do for you. Is that right? And I was like, mate, I think you may have had one of the biggest, when you have these pivotal moments, I feel like this is a good moment. Thank you for that. And that was it. And yeah, I clearly still appreciate it to this day because I still think about like how someone can show kindness like that sometimes. But these, I think people don't really appreciate like how, like a small, small, that was what, 10 minutes of her time, 10 minutes of her time that she gave me just to take that bleep away and give me a bit of a break. But that meant so much. It meant so much. Just that little act of kindness. And uh, when I look back on, so, uh, I don't know, I I really hate saying career because I don't really see it as a career. I don't know what this is. Um, When I look back on my career, there have been been pivotal moments where there's been acts of kindness that have come my way and they've literally changed everything, like the whole trajectory of everything. Be it someone saying something nice, someone encouraging me to do something, someone going out on the limb for me. And those kind of situations, you always remember and hopefully try and pay it back on some level, don't you think? Yeah. They just, that's what may make you still believe that there are some good people out there when you get these random things that's basically save your backside, right? Yeah. There's a lot of good. There is. I know that can no, be a bitch, don't we? But there's a lot of good people. Yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, there's some, we said this before. Sometimes you see, you meet doctors and you think, how on earth are you a functioning human being? You're so evil. What's <laughs> wrong with you? Like, seriously, yeah. do you even have a soul? Is there yeah, a soul yeah, somewhere in there? And amazingly, they're fantastic doctors, but it's evil beyond belief. And I, I'm a, far too many of those but there's some genuinely uh, amazing people out there that i don't even know how you carry on sometimes uh, working as hard as you guys do to get to wherever you're trying to get to talking about nice people oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go on. oh no it's been deleted which is about oh, ma- no. mandatory tr- teaching during a lunch break maybe we shouldn't discuss it anymore maybe, it's maybe yeah. i bet you that the trust must have been like i need to talk to you about that tweet yeah how dare you say something like that they should not be going out to the outside you... world yeah go on did you see there was another this is a junior doctor Doctors UK thread, which was about the worst things. Oh no, the worst things people have said to you. Yeah, where is it now? Yeah, sad thread. Worst things you've ever heard. Can you mm. think of the worst thing? What's the worst thing that you've ever heard? So that's a patient said to me, or someone said mm. to me. It's the racism stuff. When they remind me that I don't belong, when they say something like, "Oh, you got a decent accent." And I think I told you about the time I lost my soul. I think I, I still somewhat lurking somewhere in Basildon a So I was, I'm trying to say this, like, I was working a I was working really, really hard, doing absolutely 110% as, as well as I could for every single person that I met. And then one, one day a person walked in and he had some screws in his jaw from pre- previously being punched. And he kept complaining about the pain. And then I spent ages trying to like get hold of Max Fax. Finally got through to Max Fax. Said, Look, don't worry about it. Give him some painkillers, send him away. And I'll see him on like Monday or something. And I went and told the person, and he literally just threw it back in my face, uh, had a go at me, so I called me a schoolboy, and like having a, he just went really, he went full on mean, super mean. 
And then I remember sitting there thinking, man, I worked so hard for you and you have no idea what happened in the background. And I'm on phone calls, people had to beg to try and get a hold of you, a hold of this person. And you're just throwing it back at me. And then yeah. I thought, I don't care anymore. I'm done. I'm done with all this. I don't care. I've got to do what works and do what I need to do and get out of here. Yeah, so some, my soul's probably somewhere there. I might go looking for it one day. Who knows? But I think that those kind of, that, that kind of pivotal moment had a lot to do with my subsequent life choices, I think, how much I was willing to put myself out there. But yeah, and what about you, man? I've got a fair share of stuff like that, people being ungrateful. Yeah, what about when they blame you for their problems? Yeah. You didn't give that the problems. Don't, please don't have it's a go I'm here to help. That's I think I'm a lot for. of those now I've got trust. I heard one consultant say once, look, whatever happens, you didn't give them their health problem. And that kind of stuck mm. with me, Like you didn't make them sick. And that's helped me put to rest a lot of things that bugged me. I do remember once, what some of the things that bugged me are the times, like you, where you put a lot of effort into things. I remember speaking to a patient and explaining a whole load to them. And then the nurse telling me afterwards, oh, the patient just told me they didn't understand any of what he said. And mm. I don't know what I found more hurtful. The fact that she, the fact that that had, that was a kind of topic of conversation or the fact that the nurse felt that they had to relay that to me, like which one mm. was more upsetting because, because I think it was the kind of, I always find the deception about people like play along, but then they're not understanding or maybe they just, I don't know. Yeah. I always find yeah. that kind of more, especially when you feel like you've misread a situation and you only really find mm. out after you're the last person in on the, in on it. Um, mm. I always find that quite tough. So I guess there are those things. And then they're like sad things. I remember we had a patient, probably shouldn't say, like on oncology, that was like mm. a terrible time really for sad stories and sad lines. It was especially mm. all like young people die and stuff. So I remember them. Mm. But this thread is a kind of crazy downer in that way. But yeah, there is mm. a lot of racism in there. There's a lot of racism in this thread. Yeah. I think uh, I, I, one of the bits that, re that resonated with me is once I was doing the GP placement and then this GP was really cool. He was really safe. But then at the same time, I don't think he was awake half the time. I don't know how he did it, but he managed to make himself look as... Okay, so he had us doing consultations, but he was yeah. in the back and I swear he was sleeping. I swear. <laughs> I, I kept looking across. He's literally asleep while this patient's talking. And this particular patient was kind of older and they had this big smirk on their face while my colleague, who is also a brown person, was doing the consultation. He's born and bred, UK, all that stuff. And then she just didn't say anything back to him. And then she's like, is it a problem? And then she just went, I just can't understand your accent. And it was just, I was looking at him. He looked at me, we all looked at each other. And then the GP just woke up. I just couldn't believe it. And he was like, ah, let me take over here. And then pushed him to the side and then did the rest of the consultation ushed her out and then apologized to my colleague and I was like man this guy's got some skills like mad skills that he can be <laughs> half asleep <laughs> and still listening I promise you man he was snoring I don't know how oh, he did it wow. that's some mad yeah, skills I, I wish I could do I wish I could report my sleep I'd do, <laughs> yeah, be do better yeah, yeah in yeah. fact I've got a lose sleep to report unfortunately at the moment <laughs> yeah such is the way of things at the moment yeah anyway what hasn't coming up this week oh there was another thing did you see this this is a shruti's tree shruti's tree which i thought was a little bit a bit sad you know shruti the, yeah, the so lady from, yeah this is going to yeah. hurt i don't want to do mm. a spoiler but there's a tree mm. that was put up in mm. memory of a character yes a character yeah and uh, i actually was like oh that's quite nice but then people rightly pointed out, this is probably a nice gesture. So Jonathan Jabberwock, 951, it's probably a nice gesture. Mm. But I can't help feeling a bit uncomfortable that out of all the real 
healthcare workers who committed suicide were memorializing a fictional one. I don't even like the show. Okay, it brings us on to his tweet. Absolutely. RIP, Dr. Gail Milligan. How many more will take? Will it take before you start taking action to recognize a considerable strain primary care clinicians are under? And so, uh, unfortunately, this suicide, and it seems to be a lot to do with the work and how much pressure people are under. And I think this is something that people underestimate right i think this is really serious stuff your mental health is we said this before like if you need help get help if you can talk to someone anyone if you find yourself in a situation and there's professional help people that don't know you that be willing to talk to you i promise there'll be someone out there that'll be willing to try and talk you through things because it's not easy is it and it's really hard to read this stuff don't you think it's really difficult to read that yeah i think that was from a partner wasn't it i was talking about their children and stuff and how i think she received like an email at work that just really floored her and then it was just a real challenge to get her over the way she felt afterwards it was so mm. sad and yeah having just gps either kind of leaving the profession or moving away or understandably they've got to think about their own mental health but mm. it's an awful situation to be in and just what a terrible story yeah sad yeah <clears throat> yeah it, it's terrible isn't it it's terrible. I just, yeah, everyone just needs to look. If anyone out there is going through any trouble, please just get help. Just please get help. Please just do it. Anyway, we, Gosh, we we've on? got a few more yeah. like depressing like topics. Oh, should, we, here, should we try something? Uh, look, we're at one hour. Let's, should we, is there something funny? I can't remember. If there was yeah, here's funny. one. So there's a tweet from at Rev Daniel and it says, In elevator, dad and da- daughter get on. The girl says, Hi. I said, Hello. Girl, how old are you, dad? Jessica, me. I'm 50. How old are you? Girl, seven. Daddy, how old are you? Dad, 39. Girl, how come you look older than him? Dad, <laughs> do you have kids? Me, no. Dad, to daughter, that's why. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, we both got kids. Do you feel like they've made you older? Oh my God, I feel like I've aged like maybe travel speed. I feel like I'm 60 years old now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to get, I found that having kids have made me more busy, but not in the way that I'm more active busy, like physically active. So I get tired a lot quicker yeah. and maybe it would happen anyway. I don't know. I don't know. But I've recently tried to be become more active, take my kid to rock climbing, mm. for, force myself to just do things. I play badminton and oh, do you? go yeah. to the park. Yeah, I've tried to. I'm trying to get into just being more active because I'm trying to. And trying to give her things to do to first of all get get to release a bit of energy. That you've got so much energy, man. They're always running around. Like honestly, uh, yeah, they're just so they're just so. I don't know how they get. They literally not stop running hmm. if you let them. But uh, yeah, so I'm trying to get them to have things to do that maybe they could fall back on when they're older. Because I feel like when you get older, it becomes a struggle to be yeah. active. So that's why I thought rock climbing might be a good one or bouldering might be a good one because you don't yeah. technically need someone to be with you when you go. And if she ends up liking it, then that could be her thing to do when no one else wants to hang out with her or she's angry with me and she or she wants to go on a climbing holiday or something. Maybe there's something to get into. And then the badminton thing, I thought, is just something we could both get into as well. And my wife was playing and my little boy is running around. So I don't know. I'm trying to, but I am older. I can feel that. I can definitely feel like I can't quite keep up the way I used to, but... Yeah, anyway, why have I made that into a negative thing? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make it negative. It's wonderful having children. It's lovely. Yeah, Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I find the sleep deprivation is the most difficult thing. But I took a kind of leaf out of your book and I've been trying to get Lil's into climbing. And Mm. she loves it too. I think it's really good. And there's so many kind of things that you could do, right? In terms of like hobbies and stuff. But climbing Mm. is just, it just seems so wholesome. Like we went, so we went to this place in London, in Harrow. And so we go into this place and there's like, 
pride signs everywhere and mm. like and then there's a little cafe that has like vegan yeah, yeah. stuff and it's all yeah, like yeah. ethically sourced and there's <laughs> we use these cups and everyone just seems really happy and it was just i was like this is, this is nice, amazing right? yeah yeah and i was like oh little and it's just like a self-contained hub well self-contained in the sense that you climb in a certain area but you can it's just using the environment it just see it's hard to see the negatives of it yeah, so definitely. what an amazing hobby yeah and she loved it she loved like she particularly liked climbing stuff to jump off like she was just climbing off like really <laughs> high things and like jumping yeah, off yeah. Like, okay yeah um, that's, that's a kids are like yeah 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 so it's cool it's cool man i mean that's, i thought that too like when i turned up it felt like for whatever reason the people who want to climb up things have a very kind of specific personality um, as in they seem to be hip very cool, very active, slight, yeah, into veganism. That's what I noticed too. It was nice. And they're all very lovely. Uh, obviously, I haven't met every single climber in the world, but yeah. the ones that I interact with, actually, in the beginning, we used to go every day, but now we're going probably every other day, every two, three yeah. days. But uh, yeah, they're always nice. They're always so nice, yeah. all of them. In fact, so. there was a line on the wall that said, the kind of best climber in the world is the happiest or something. Oh, really? So, yeah. Yeah, so it's not like about competitive spirit. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. And you can see how you can be, as you get better, you can be more challenging. And have you seen like how like amazing, oh there's little bits like that you, for those that don't know, there's different colors of like pebble things on the wall that you've got to try and climb. And the more better you get, the different colors you go for. The ones that are like really advanced is like, how do you even hold on to that? Yeah. Like you can't even get your fingers around it, let alone put your body weight onto this thing. It just doesn't make any sense. And I found myself actually after that going to YouTube and watching and appreciating people like professional climbers. And it's just phenomenal. People literally climb up cracks in a cliff, just one yeah. crack. Can you believe that? It's just amazing. Crazy strength um, involved. So mm, I wanted to do, yeah. because mm. for people to get their CPD points, there was something interesting here that I wanted to oh, mention. Yeah, it's about the discovery of insulin. So somebody cop copied in a plaque from the Ontario Heritage Foundation. You um, know plaque, such a cardiologist thing, Karen. Yeah, yeah plaque. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is about the discovery of insulin. So in one of the most important advances in modern medicine, a team of investigators isolated and pu purified insulin in a building which stood on this site. On May the 17th, my birthday, 1921, Frederick Banting, a young surgeon, and Charles Best, a recent graduate in physiology and biochemistry, began a series of experiments on pancreatic secretions in an attempt to find a treatment for diabetes. Working under the general direction of J.J.R. McLeod, an expert in carbohydrate metabolism, they developed a promising anti-diabetic extract. James Collip, a noted biochemist, then increased the purity and potency of the substance. With the first successful clinical test of insulin on a human diabetic in January 23rd, 1922, Banting, Best, McLeod and Collip ensured prolonged lives for millions of diabetics throughout the world. And they sold the patent on insulin for a dollar because they wanted it to be available to everyone. And people, obviously, one of the, sort of the tweet that kind of drew this to my attention was the United States, whereby people can't afford insulin because of the price, the markups from the pharmaceutical companies. And so they say, mm. periodic reminder that these guys sold the patent of insulin for a dollar, and they'd be pissed that people are dying because they can't afford it in this day and age. So 1922, yeah. it's been around for 100 years. Wow. Yeah. It's, I don't know. What do they do? Give to Gollum. It's yeah. like the ring and they my give to Gollum and Gollum. Yeah, my, my precious. precious. Oh, yeah, exactly. And yeah. then now he's, and now it's in this situation, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's bad, isn't it? Because yeah. I think so, I was reading a book about this, actually. I think it's the one that Rowan mentioned, like a thousand, 
hours or something like that. Okay. But he was talking about, if you look at the way we are right now, in terms of where we are technolo technologically speaking, and the way that we can grow food, make produce food, put food around, energy, the way we store energy, make energy, like we've made massive advances since, let's say, 1922. Yeah. But... We still have, so if you went to 1922 and told people you could drive these kind of cars, you've got these kind of mobile phones, you've got this kind of entertainment, you've got this kind of food being grown like this, you think, mate, you guys are almost chilling. You, and the people used to think that at one point in the future, none of us would really need to work because computers take over everything or most things we just maybe do one or two days worth of work. But that's not really happened, has it? Like, even though things have got better in terms of technological advances, we still have all these issues of famine, poverty, starvation and people dying of not having insulin something's clearly gone wrong because if you went back and told them that's the situation no one would believe it insulin what a thing to die of yeah it's there the cure is there that's literally the cure mm. and people can't get it anyway so let's let's end on yeah so i've got what uh, so we'll do one each or we don't one each okay yeah go okay, on which so, one are you gonna go so if i'm ever ill on a saturday or sunday i'll take a sick day on the monday in lieu i'm not working five days a week to be ill on the weekend fair enough yeah, it's so, not a bad idea. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so that's a good, that's a good little shout. Yeah. And next vessel, I hate washing my hands after you. Oh, God, why did I pick this one? <laughs> after using the toilet. Okay, I hate washing my hands after using the toilet. It's not like I pee on my hands. So instead, I run the water so it sounds like I'm washing them, so people don't think I'm gross. But I just stand there for a few seconds. Yeah, it would take as long just to wash my hands. I, I don't know. <laughs> she says i don't know this, there's something going on there's something quite complicated about that one isn't it because yeah. <laughs> actually they're like making they're making a stand they're like saying no i actively won't i'm going to pretend to even though that time i was spending pretending i could be doing it but i don't want to what is it they feel like they might be losing something in fact <laughs> while like washing their hands oh my god but you know what i know I, we may have to cut what i'm about to say out because it's so ridiculous and so stupid but that's it does remind me of when i was younger and my parents used to tell me to pray and i didn't want to pray i don't know why i don't want to pray but i used to just sit in the room for like five <laughs> minutes for as long as it would take for someone to pray yeah. and even maybe even have the prayer mat out so that if they did walk in, they'd think that I would prayed and then put it away. That's and I don't know whether it's a similar sentiment that like when you've got some sort of moral obligation or an objection yeah. to something, you're willing to pretend to go with it, but you still got your personal in stand. your mind. Yeah. You've taken your stand inside yeah. your heart. that You've still got the win. You yeah. think you've won, yeah. but I've actually got the win. And maybe that's what's going in. Like they've got a personal problem with people washing their hands, yeah. but <laughs> they're happy to take that win inside. And uh, yeah, and carry I on. hope that stays in, but I can see why. Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep it in. I don't. It's not going to get struck down by God right now. Like it's coming, but not right now. So it's all good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I think I'm safe for a few years. Yeah, um, I hope. Anyway. Um, yeah. So he says. Cool. Um, anyway, all cool, right. Man. All right. Up to well, time. Thanks for, yeah, come up time. That flew by. All right. Thank you for listening as always on my Twitter. It's always been a good fun. I think we had a good few wholesome moments and uh, look after yourselves. I know sir, it may, for a lot of you guys, it's the first few weeks of being a doctor. You're going to have questions about whether you want to carry on. I can't tell you whether you should carry on or shouldn't carry on because obviously everyone's got their own reasons for doing it. But I don't know, man. I think it's worked out. I think it's all right. When you, once you, I think once you get good at something or you become more competent, it becomes more enjoyable. So at least give yourself the chance to maybe get some competency and then yeah. make it. Make if, it if you can, one of the best skills that you can try and acquire is to find mentors. Good and mentors there are yeah. there are good people out. There are good people there. So if you can 
if you can find one. Yeah, DM Trusha. Yeah. DM me, can do. It's, you know, it's likely that we've all kind of been through it. And so just understanding that and having someone say this, no, this is something you sh shouldn't worry about, or this is something you should worry about. And just having someone filter it and whatever. So you're not just constantly questioning yourself, mm. uh, I think can help. So finding good mentors and talking about it with people. And also something that you, I think something you impart, part of your wisdom is that kind of medicine isn't everything. So don't let it become everything. Oh yeah, you'll, definitely. You'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. Everything will be okay. So yeah, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye guys. Cool. All right then, have a great week and don't get cancelled. Bye.